You're listening to Podcateers. Welcome to episode 336 of Podcateers. This week we celebrate Toy Story's 25th anniversary by ranking the films in the series and talking about the impact the films have made in the industry. The Mandalorian has a small slip-up and the internet goes nuts. And we discuss the news about Imagineer Joe Rohde announcing his retirement from Walt Disney Imagineering after an illustrious 40-year career. If you'd like to join the conversation and talk about anything that we talk about in this episode, please make sure to check out the blog post at podcateers.com slash 336. You can leave a comment there, or you can connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Just search for Podcateers, or you can even join us on our new Discord server. A link to sign up will be in the blog post for this episode. We'd love to have you join us there. Our virtual food drive is going strong. As you may already know, not long ago, cast members were laid off after being furloughed due to the pandemic. This food drive is our attempt at trying to provide a little bit of magic to the cast members that need help after having providing us with so much magic over the years. We're holding the food drive through Second Harvest Food Bank of Orange County because they're set up so that every dollar that you donate provides the equivalent of up to three meals for someone. I've mentioned it before that for most of us, one dollar won't make a difference, but for someone that needs it, it could mean getting up to three meals. Meals. Help us spread the word about our food drive, share the link with your family and friends, and challenge them to donate at least $1. Together, we can help make this a better Thanksgiving and a better Christmas for those that need it. For more information and a link to donate, you can go to teamboatwilly.com or the blog post for this episode, podcateers.com slash 336. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out and we'll be happy to help you as best as we can. Before I wrap up the intro, I'd like to send a special thank you to the FGP squad, aka our podcast fairy godparents, because it's their monthly support via Patreon that help make these episodes of Podcateers possible. Being part of the FGP squad family gets you some additional perks, so if you would like more information on what those are and how you can become a part of it, you can get more information at podcateers.com FGP. And as always, a very special thank you to the members of the FGP squad for their continued support. So that's going to wrap up the intro. If you're celebrating, we hope that you're having a safe and happy Thanksgiving. Remember that if you're thankful for or love someone, take a quick moment to tell them because you never know when that moment will be your last. We appreciate all of you listening. This is episode 336 of Podcateers. So how you guys been? Uh, busy. Yeah? Yeah. Yep. When we're getting into that crazy time of the year when everything gets busy, right? The so calm before just, the storm. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's yeah. busy at work. It's busy at home. It's busy everywhere right now. But just, it hasn't been that calm for me, though. <laughs> I just... Yeah. It's been a really yeah. tough month leading into today because if you guys have been listening long enough, you probably know that last year I lost my grandfather 
Uh, and this year, I lost my grandmother, and it's just been a really, really difficult week, a really difficult mm-hmm. month leading up into this. And I don't know, I just feel disconnected, not being able to visit and not being able to... It's just weird, like, all around. I I was putting together, like, a slideshow thing, like a tribute in memory of her and everything, and uh, there was a lot of crying involved, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah. just going through photos spanning all the way back into the 50s and just trying to chronologically put them all together for this mm-hmm. thing, you know, seeing the progression throughout the years uh, was, in a way good for me i think because it kind of helped but at the same time again there was a lot of crying (laughs) (laughs) so i think right now i'm just just mentally and emotionally and just kind of physically exhausted sure and uh yeah i'm i I, uh yeah i'm in in other words i'm trying to keep it together try not to lose it (laughs) you're doing okay you're gonna be okay you got us take a breath it's all part of the process and then Mm -hmm. also doing things that you love helps too so that's that's what we're doing now and i appreciate you guys moving your time frames and everything to accommodate for this and i appreciate you and your words and just being there for me so thank you uh i love you both and uh, three thousand. Back mo- at you. I mean, more than three thousand at this point, but <laughs> you know, but it's cool. It's cool. Um, so yeah, so there's tons of stuff to talk about. I mean, this week, yeah, blockbuster news: Joe Rody is going to be retiring from Imagineering effective January fourth, twenty twenty one. Crazy. Uh, I. Yeah, it, it was it was insane when I saw that. Uh, the first person to send that to me was Adriana from the FGP squad. She actually posted it on the Facebook page for Podcasters, and that's where I saw the news. But I, I kind of glanced at it because I was in the middle of, you know, doing stuff this morning, you know, and mm-hmm. and, and I I thought okay, I, I that kind of just blew my mind. I but I'm like over here trying to like you know, morning everything. So I'm, I'm kind of like, okay, I'm going to put a pin in that one. I got to come back to that. <laughs> and then the messages started pouring in and I sure. thought, okay, yeah. And then Gavin, you were like, we got to talk about this. We got to talk about this. Because <laughs> you can't have a legendary career like Rhodey's and not talk yeah. about it, right? Yeah, uh, exactly. So we'll talk about that later on in the episode. DCA, hey. DCA is officially open. They've expanded downtown Disney right into Buena Vista Street. And it looks like they ended up doing some of the stuff that we had talked about. And I'm not going to say, look, hey, look, look. (laughs) I'm not going to say that we're the ones that they got those ideas from. I'm not going to say that they listened to an episode of Podcateers and they were like, you know what? Those sound like really great ideas. But... What a kawinky dink. <laughs> yeah, there is precedent, folks. Right? Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, we <laughs> we got tagged by several people, uh, but the very first message uh, we ended up getting this week was from longtime listener, friend of the show, Desiree, who had tagged us uh, in an Instagram story by Park Hop Creations where they were walking through Buena Vista. They were walking through DCA for the first time when it reopened. And wouldn't you know it, there's a 
bunch of tables and chairs in front of the waterfall, exactly where I want to <laughs> eat. And I thought to myself, I don't even care. I just want to eat there. <laughs> I, I don't even care. And look, I mean, it just makes sense, right? If they're really mm-hmm. trying to figure out ways to mm-hmm. safely have people eating, you can't do it inside, especially if you're back in the purple most restaurants in the area are allowing outdoor eating. And as mm-hmm. long as you're socially distancing people and you're being safe about it, why can't Disney do it? Now, look. Yeah. Right. If all of a sudden we see dining tables around the hub and we see projections <laughs> for Believe in Holiday <laughs> Magic next month, Oh, my gosh. I'm going to have to send a couple people a text message or an email and start (laughs) wagging my finger being like, where's my money? (laughs) (laughs) Yep. You know? And seriously, like, they owe us uh, quite a few back royalty checks at this point. And I've even said, I don't even care in some cases if they don't give us a royalty check as long as they give us that gold premiere golden goose pass mm-hmm. you know that allows you anywhere i think it's an or- even trade i mean well uh, right totally. now right now is a yeah. little different right but <laughs> you know where i'm going <laughs> but you know where i'm going i mean yep. look yeah one day disney will be back to where they were before i have no mm-hmm. doubt about that how long it's gonna take yeah. i don't know it's it's gonna take a while anyone yeah. that says that 2021 will be the year that disney bounces back uh yeah no that's not gonna happen it's gonna take a few years for disney to bounce back from this you know yeah. uh, all the acquisitions that they spent so much money on to to try to make sure that they had certain properties in their portfolio didn't allow them to have a huge enough buffer for something like this to happen but in all fairness nobody could have seen this coming this is unprecedented 2020 is an absolute bleep and bleep of a year <laughs> <laughs> you know I yeah I, yeah no I yeah I agree <laughs> I'm nodding my head like yeah I was like, you don't have a word for this. Like- <laughs> it, it's almost, in a lot of ways, it's almost like a lost year, right? Like yeah. so many things that we would have done this year, we just didn't do because we couldn't or, you know, certain things were just closed or off limits or we didn't feel safe doing them even though they were there. And yeah, I feel like it's in a lot of ways just lost. Like yeah. It, almost didn't happen you know like so much and especially for those of us who live near the park and frequent the park um, as often as all three of us do that's a major part of our like social life and like activities that we go out and do is going to the park that's what we love doing and not having that for an entire year which it will be you know in just a few months it'll be a full year yeah. Uh, yeah, it's strange. It's like a whole chunk of life just got turned off and, you know, we've had to find other ways to fill it, which, you know, I think most of us are well adjusted enough that we've found other ways to fill our lives. We're not, you know, in therapy over it, but, uh, Speak for yourself. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, it, it's, it's weird. And, and I, I do feel for the people who have to manage those 
Disney park budgets and the park managers themselves and like having to figure out like what in the world do we do? Yeah. How do we come out of this? How do we bounce back? You know, how do we pay for the huge investments that we made? You know, they they had just opened their biggest, most expensive attraction in Disney park history. And here it was only open for what, a month and a half before they closed? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, so it's, it's, I'm sure they're straining and they're trying to, you know, open up brand new land in Avengers campus. And, you know, they haven't seen a single dime back from that because nobody's stepped foot in it yet. Yeah. And man, they, they're going to, they are going to have an uphill battle. Um, I, I really will be interested to see if the attendance is, I'm really interested to see what the attendance ends up being once they do open. Cause a lot of people have abandoned their annual passes and we all know that that was a major part of the overcrowdedness at the Disneyland resort was yeah. APs. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see it. It might kind of be a nice, uh, not overrun place to be for a while after it opens. And it'll be interesting to see if it, you know, really builds back up to what it was really quickly, or if it takes a long time to do that. Um, we'll see. Time will tell. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting. That's what I thought too. Like, I thought it was going to be, it's going to be a slow start. Like, mm -hmm. man, it'll be interesting for the next, let's say the next uh, five years mm -hmm. to see how everything is. And I think, I'm hoping midway you know things pick up things will get a lot better um hopefully hopefully at a hundred percent um and by that i mean like shows come back and mm -hmm. everyone comes back you know full swing how everything used to be yeah that's what i'm hoping for um yeah it'll be interesting it's definitely going to be a slow start though because there's a lot of us that are going to wait until it's like totally okay to go back yeah. Yeah. I think there's probably going to be a little pop right when they open and yeah. there'll be a, a surge. But then I think it'll probably be pretty light for a while because mm -hmm. you're going to have the, the people who just don't care. As soon as it opens, they're going to be there. Mm -hmm. But that's a small yeah. percentage, I, I feel like. And everybody else, regardless of if it's open, is going to go when they feel comfortable going. And that's mm -hmm. a very different thing from person to person. So. Yeah, I think it's going to be a slow build too. Yeah, I think Mel, your your time frame is pretty accurate. That's kind of where I put it in. I'm thinking three to five years before mm -hmm. we begin to feel like it's normal Disneyland hangout time, uh, and that's if we don't see anything like we saw this year again, right? But right, uh, I mean, they are really trying to find ways uh, to to feed that Disney into other you know into people that really miss the parks like we saw them shut down wonderground about a month or so ago and mm -hmm. as far as we can tell it is a temporary closure because they were trying to find an outlet to sell the stuff that they couldn't sell at galaxy's edge because they mm -hmm. they knew people wanted stuff from galaxy's edge but they didn't have a place to sell it so they've created the launch bay like store in place of wonderground 
And it looks like starting in December, we're also going to be getting some of the items that would have been available for purchase in Avengers Campus become available for purchase either at Downtown Disney or on Buena Vista Street as well. That one kills me. I I just want to talk about that one for a second because they've got space. They've got um, space that's being vacated and they've got space that's already vacated. Why take away Wonderground? That that decision really baffled me. You've got the ESPN zone, which has a store in it, like a store footprint in it that's basically the same size, maybe even a little bigger than Wonderground, that they could have easily done Star Wars there. And that building is big enough, they could have done Avengers Campus stuff there too. Like That's a perfect example to me of, like, why not do that? Like, why take away something that is a staple of downtown Disney. I I'm a little biased because that's my main reason for going to downtown Disney is Wonderground. But I mean, that's what a lot of people do. They, they collect Disney art, they buy Disney art or they buy Mm -hmm. Disney art on a thing like a postcard or a hoodie or something, you know, like, I don't know. I just, I I was really baffled by that decision. And and I do believe I agree that it's temporary, but uh, I I just don't get it. Yeah, especially when right next door, the building where they were housing the void became vacant just a couple months before it. Yeah, exactly. That's another spot that's vacant. And it was already Star Wars-y because they were doing the Star Wars thing there. Yeah. Yeah. I don't don't get it. And but, you know, they've got their own reasons for doing things. I'm sure there's some sort of dollars and cents reason that we don't know about um, because that's what it usually comes down to. So... Who knows? Do we know if in DCA, if it's open? Because I know Award Wieners is open. Is it mm-hmm. open all the way to off the page? Like, is that store open? Because they can kind of offset some of that because a lot of those same artists have art in the park galleries as well. It's a different business, but a lot of them have art in both. Um, so I'd be curious to know if off the page is open during this weird time. Hmm. I don't know. I haven't seen people posting video of going that far into um, mm-hmm. into that area. Uh, but if anyone out there listening has gone into the parks or has seen a video of somebody going uh, on their Instagram stories or posts, let us know. You know, we'd like to know if off the page is open because, yeah, you're right. That would be a really great place to do it because it already has that artsy feel to it. It's already set mm-hmm. up for that. So, yeah. It would be interesting to know if that's the case. Yeah, uh, I mean, we've, we've kind of talked about DCA reopening. I think we are where we are, and Disney's doing whatever they can you know, to try to salvage as many jobs at this point. It, whatever they were trying to do with California didn't go the way that they would have wanted you know, and now they're stuck not reopening the parks and you know, we'll we'll continue to monitor how that goes. But in the meantime, they're finding ways uh, around some of those restrictions. Uh, as long as people can be safe and they can socially distance, you know, having a few people in the store at, at a time or eating outdoors, you know, if you're comfortable and you're able to do that, then cool. You know, again, like Gavin said earlier, everyone's going to go to the park when they feel like they're able to, when they're ready to do it. Not everybody's going to feel right. safe doing it on opening day. And that's why we mm-hmm. feel that the rollout of 
things getting back to normal is going to really be a three to five year process. But, uh, I mean, in the meantime, we have this. Uh, and then uh, speaking of all the cast members that aren't working right now, just a quick reminder that we're still doing our virtual food drive. Uh, as of this episode, I believe that we've raised 37% of our goal. And that awesome. is super cool. Uh, I really appreciate everybody just jumping in and helping us share, donating. I have to tell you, I feel a little guilty because I haven't really been able to promote it or really talk about it or repost it because I've just had like so many things on my mind this last week. Um, but we got to get back into it. You know, Thanksgiving is coming up the week that this episode launches. It is Thanksgiving week. Uh and we want to make sure that we can provide meals for as many of these cast members that have been furloughed or laid off. Uh, a lot of workers in the theme park industry, in hospitality, like a, a bunch of people that work in the hotels, for instance, at, mm -hmm. at the Disneyland Hotel and all of the other hotels at the resort. So, yeah, TeamBoatWilly.com is where you can find a link to help uh, us out. Uh, and then... Uh, we'll keep reposting it on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff. So, again, thank you for everybody that's helped us share. We need your help in order to reach our goal and to help as many people as possible. Uh, since we were just talking about Star Wars, I just want to quickly touch on The Mandalorian this week because, you know, it, uh, the last few weeks of The Mandalorian <laughs> have just been, like, up and down, up and down as well. You know, we had... <laughs> The child. Oh, no. What did he do? Everyone's angry at the child. <laughs> Next week. Oh, no. We're good again. It's cool. You're, you've redeemed yourself. Now, there's like, <laughs> I don't even know what gate to call this one. But in the latest episode, if you haven't seen it yet, it is called The Siege. The Siege? Yeah, The Siege. Yeah. Uh, and it's chapter 12. There is mm -hmm. a particular scene where... Uh, in the background, in one of the bays, like a corridor, you can see a person standing around in blue jeans and a t-shirt. Are you serious? Yeah. You and can. And you can kind of see like half <laughs> their body sticking out of the back of the bay. And I got to rewatch it. <laughs> yeah. And so people are like, what is this? This is worse. I think Screen Rant called it like it's worse than the <laughs> Game of Thrones Starbucks cup. I'm like, Really? Really? I think it's Man, hilarious. Come so on now. The <laughs> yeah. Starbucks cup was right there in plain sight. This is like a dude in the background. There's a trick to it, though. You have to watch it with dim lights. Oh, really? So, yeah, it's a, do it's that. Because we went scene. back to watch it. Mm -hmm. And um, if you dim your lights, you could see it a lot clearer. Sure. Just watch it on your phone and bring up the brightness. <laughs> that's great i mean look there are there are mistakes like that in major blockbuster films mm -hmm. that once you see them you can never unsee them again you know so i mean this stuff happens you yeah. know yeah. things slip through uh whatever i'm not gonna crucify the makers of mandalorian for a little blip like that because the show is phenomenal yeah mm -hmm. i'm with you on that one and having put together like little short film for stuff that we do at work. I can tell mm -hmm. you that with the time frames that they have to put these things together and with the mm -hmm. inability to just 
go and do a reshoot if something is wrong because of COVID restrictions. When stuff like this happens, okay, so there's been a couple of films that I've put together at work where the best take happened to have a mistake in it, like somebody standing in the background that should have been in the background, like in this case, right? And if we Mm -hmm. couldn't go back and reshoot because if people in the scene weren't available anymore, we had to go with the take that had the mistake in it. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like this was just the fact that that was the best take during filming. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think when I look at it, I look at it a little bit differently. And so I I kind of empathize with them on this one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, the, the Game of Thrones one, again, it was in plain sight, man. This is just some dude in the background that was trying to do his job, right? Or, 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 yeah. hear me out, hear me out, okay? Mm-hmm. For all of you that are on TikTok at 3 o'clock in the morning like I am sometimes, <laughs> maybe that guy was a time traveler and he was there <laughs> collecting information and he's going to tell us about our future and specific days in December and January 2021. Huh? What's Ooh, up? <laughs> there it is. Time traveler. I'm just saying. If you believe that one, I mean, drop a comment. There's also there's also the idea <laughs> that in this vast galaxy of Star Wars, somebody actually invented denim. Like it's not like it's that far fetched that somebody would be in casual wear somewhere in this universe. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's funny you say that. Uh, <laughs> I hope I hope someone's like I hope someone. Or people like kind of take this bound and just start cosplaying with it. Oh, like totally. take it, just go. <laughs> yes. I want to see that. I want to see the person Absolutely. that bounds as this guy, but it's like a t-shirt and jeans, and then a wall in front of like two thirds yeah. of their body. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, oh, that's fantastic. That is awesome. <laughs> uh, okay, so. Uh, We had a couple big things that we wanted to talk about in this episode, but before we do, I do want to remind you that this episode of Podcasters is brought to you by a fantastic group of listeners known as the FGP Squad. The FGP Squad helps us out with monthly contributions via Patreon, and it's those contributions that help make these episodes, and we appreciate everything that the FGP Squad does for us. Becoming a member of the FGP Squad also gets you on the FGP Happy Hour calls, and uh, you're able to get special discounts on gear. We have giveaways on Patreon and all sorts of good stuff. If you want information on how you can become part of the FGP Squad family, you can head over to podcateers.com slash fgp fgp squad if you haven't seen the post yet on patreon make sure that you check it out because our next happy hour call has been scheduled we're going to be getting together on november 28th 2020 Uh, information on how to connect with us will be available in the post as usual and if you have any questions about becoming part of the fgp squad feel free to send us a message and we'll be happy to answer any questions that you may have and again to all of the members of the fgp squad we just want to send a huge thank you for your continued support uh okay so toy story turns 25 yeah yeah i mean (laughs) this is a huge deal man yeah, that means that means the computer animated feature film turns twenty five. Like the like a part of film history is now twenty five years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, think of the impact that Toy Story has had on on an entire industry. Like you said, twenty five oh, years 
since computer animation hit that milestone. Before that, computer animation, and I'm not saying this as an insult, okay, but (laughs) it was like Tron, right? It was a bunch of lines, and it was a bunch of, of different types of computer effects that, you know, didn't really bring us into 3D space the way that Toy Story did. That I mean, the 3D space yeah. existed, yeah. but it was the contributions that were implemented into things like Render Man that brought mm-hmm. us into what we kind of know as current 3D space for filmmaking. Yeah. It, before Toy Story, it was uh, mostly used for uh, effects or you know small little things that couldn't be easily hand-drawn animated or filmed if it was a live action uh film right post toy story you fast forward to today the vast majority of all animated things are computer animated Mm -hmm. there's there it is taken over for hand-drawn and certainly for stop-motion animation so the vast majority of animated feature films of animated television shows, even if they look 2D to you and R2D, they're freaking computer animated, right? Like mm-hmm. it has it has absolutely revolutionized that entire art form. And I was a a begrudging adopter of of being a fan of CG. It took me a long time, but Toy Story was undeniable. When Toy Story came out, it was undeniably a arguably perfect film. It's still so, so good. Yes, you can look back and you can see how archaic the animation looks today, the textures and the lighting and whatever, but gosh darn it, if it isn't a beautiful, wonderful film. Mm -hmm. I mean, to see what's come out after, like 25 years later, the details Mm -hmm. that's come so far with like hair that we have seen in Seoul, like in the clips that they were showing us, man water yeah water like water is beautiful so i'm not saying okay yeah i know toy story doesn't have water but i'm just saying like in in the span of this long i mean it's just it's amazing to see it's hard to go from toy story 4 to toy story 1 when you're so used to like how fine-tuned so many things are Mm -hmm. but it's a beautiful thing overall i mean you can't deny Toy Story 1, no yeah. matter how choppy, like you were saying, how choppy it looks. It's, yeah. look what it's brought us. It's, and it's just amazing. Yeah, I mean, the the characters that they created in that are iconic. They're basically, you know, the Mickey and Minnie Mouse of, of their company, right? Yeah. The, the Toy Story characters. Yeah. And the the storytelling is just undeniably good in that. I think that uh, represents the only flaw of computer animation is that it does become dated much more quickly than other forms of animation because as our eyes get attuned to newer and better computer animation, the older ones look worse. You know, they start, we start to see the cracks. We start to see, oh, I thought the shadows and lighting in this were really good, you know, 20 years ago. Now I look back at it and it's like, geez, that looks like crap. Uh, (laughs) You don't get that, you know, with hand-drawn animation. You know, Lion King still looks fan-freaking-tastic today. You know, that came out the year before Toy Story. And it hasn't aged a day. It looks like it could have been animated today, Mm -hmm. you know. And Mm -hmm. 
Toy Story doesn't. Yeah, I think that's the only thing that is a drawback to CG. But what they're able to do now is unbelievable. What they did in Onward and, you know, all of their last several films is just unbelievable from an artistic standpoint. Just absolutely incredible. Yeah. I mean, from the artistic standpoint, technology itself, as computers have gotten faster with more processors, more speed, you know, you went from being able to render a specific amount of polygons per frame to rendering out entire people using motion capture. Films like Mm -hmm. Endgame, which is 99.99999% visual effects, you know, could yep. not exist mm-hmm. if it wasn't for the breakthroughs that the people at Pixar were making with films like Toy Story. You know, like Gavin mm-hmm. said, before it was just using little snippets because it was too expensive to render out more than 30 seconds to a minute. And that's why we saw little short films from Pixar at the beginning. That's why. Guys like John Lasseter were creating commercials for Listerine or whatever it was at the time, you know, because it was easier to create these little bursts of animation. But, yeah, I I mean, I think back on it and arguably it's one of the most successful franchises in history. And even though it hasn't made the money that other franchises have, look, by the numbers, we have four films, five short films. We've had three animated series. We've had a, like two or three uh, television specials. There's been a bunch of Disney on Ice versions of it, including a Broadway musical at one point. There's a bunch of toys spanning all the way back to when the first Toy Story came out. Uh, it's got five theme park attractions. And... An entire section of California Adventure, although it's not specifically Toy Story, there's a lot of it there. And look, I'm <laughs> never going to give up on the whole, like, Mickey should not be on the pa- on the oh, power yeah. round. Okay? It should be the right. Luxo yep. Ball. But yeah. you can't – I mean, movie-wise, it's made over $3 billion worldwide. Or yeah. with U.S. and worldwide. Okay? So along with that, merchandising, everything in the parks – it it is one of the most successful franchises in history. Absolutely, oh, yeah. and it's one of the most rewatchable, um, you know, things that they've created. I, I I think a couple of the films have their flaws, but um, Toy Story itself and just those characters are so um, easy to ingest and just go back to and revisit all the time. And even all their short films, they really did a great mm-hmm. job of really capturing the essence of what the Toy Story, I guess, culture is from film to film and from short film to short film, that you always feel like you're in a Toy Story space whenever you're watching whatever Mm -hmm. one you're watching. And that's great. It's really consistent, even though they've spanned a stretch of, you know, over two decades between all of it. They've really maintained a cohesive feel to all of it. And and that's what I think really makes it successful as... on top of the fact that they just nailed it with great characters from the get-go. Like every every character, I can't think of a character that I think is a bad or well uh, not well-developed character in any of their iterations. Like 
whether or not you're supposed to love that character or hate that character or love to hate that character or whatever, they're just solid characters and they serve the role that they're supposed to in the story. And that's where it just amazes me every time, you know, um, it's, it's just undeniably good. Yeah. And you're right because something as simple as like the peas in a pod, Mm -hmm. each one of them has their own personality. Like they don't all (laughs) act the same. I I think the only exception to that would probably be the aliens because they're all just kind of like, Ooh, the claw, but yeah, they're mm -hmm. a bit of a mob. Yeah. But even then I feel like there's still one or two of them that are kind of the leader because one of them has to make the call for them to do what they all do. Right. Yeah, that's true. That's true. The one thing that's really cool is that the characters, I love how they have like their own spotlight. Mm-hmm. And it's not like you, I mean, you could pick anybody and be like, you would know what scene they're in, or you would know that like you would, you would see them. And it's kind of like they, it's like the perfect ensemble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to get that. Yeah. Like it's just the perfect ensemble that we could just keep watching over and over. Like, give me all the shorts. I mean, I don't think we'll ever get tired of them. Yeah. Like they're, it's that good. Like it'll withstand that long. Yeah. More, you know. I think that word is perfect ensemble because it's it's like a classic ensemble cast film, right? Mm-hmm. All of their mm-hmm. things because it's just so many characters. And, you know, I think of something like a movie like Love Actually or something like that where, you know, there's just a ton of care of actors in it. And you're like, how can they take all these people and make it into a good movie? And they do. And yeah. that's what Toy Story does every single time. They just have so many characters that they work into their stories and somehow they're able to make it work. I'm not a storyteller. I'm not great at coming up with stories and I get really bogged down in details when I ever try to write a story. So I marvel at that ability to, to create the zany tales that they come up with. Um, but yeah, I, I see it as an animated ensemble cast and it's like the creme de la creme of such. Yeah. I've always seen mm-hmm. their ability to connect with so many people. I, I think it's due to the fact that because of the fact that they have so many characters, everyone can find a character to relate with. You know, whether sure. you're the adventuring yeah. type, whether you're the commanding type, whether you're the timid type, whether you're the scaredy cat type, it doesn't matter. Like there is a type for every single type of person and everyone can relate. So when they have these major ensemble casts like you're talking about, it can work because the storytelling involves every single one of those people. And it it's almost like when we were talking about the new uh, Inside Pixar, right? A lot of what works mm-hmm. is because they have so many different types of people working there and they're all kind of bringing their own experiences. The toys mm-hmm. all have different experiences. They were all played with differently. They all had different adventures. They all have their own personalities. I see those personalities in a lot of my friend circles. You know, the the same type of people, the same mannerisms, the same, you know what I mean? I think that's mm-hmm. why it's mm-hmm. always been so successful and why other films in the Pixar universe don't seem to find that same type of success, not because they're bad per se, but because they don't have as many people that can connect with the characters of the story that's being told. Yeah, no, I think that's a good analysis. I I totally agree with that. So thinking back on 
the Toy Story films, if you could rank them from like your least favorite to favorite, uh, and I, do you guys want to include like the short films, the television specials, like all that stuff in this listing? And we could do like, I, do you want to do top five or do you want to list them all the way down? Because that's a lot, um, man. There I can, is. Yeah, I can rank the films, but I'm not familiar enough with all of the short films. I don't even know that I've seen all of them. Mm. I, I think I've seen, I think there might be one or two that I haven't seen, but I'm totally down for ranking the films um, and or characters, whatever. Um, Have you seen Hawaiian so, Vacation? Yeah, I like that Have one. Have you seen Small Fry? Yeah, but it's been a long time. I don't remember it almost at all. How about Party Saurus Rex? <sighs> what happens in that? Is that the bathtub, That's the bathtub one? one? Yeah. Oh my god, that one's so good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I've seen that. Uh-huh. And then the the only other one that exists for the short films is the exclusive one to Disney Plus, which was Lamp Life with Bo Peep. Oh, I haven't seen that one. Okay, so you've pretty Wait, much. Wait, what seen about all what about Toy Story that Time Forgot? No, see, those aren't considered short films. Those are considered uh, television specials. Toy Story that no, Time Forgot and Toy Story film. of Terror, <laughs> yeah, but they don't, they're don't. they longer than the short films. Oh, so they're considered they're like television they're specials. They're not novels or short exactly. stories. Exactly. I got exactly. it. Exactly. Okay, Holy I didn't, moly. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen Terror. I've only seen Oh, it's so Time good, Forgot. dude. I love it. Oh, it's a <laughs> it's good one. It's one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think we we love all the shorts. I, I think we should just rank the films <laughs> just out of curiosity. All right. So out of the, the first sure. four films then. Okay. And I say we just give all of ours at once because like going around in a circle, we're only naming four films. So That's cool. Yeah. I'll go first. All right. Okay. Okay. So my least favorite one was Toy Story 4, um, subtitled The Money Grab. Uh, <laughs> I, wow. I, that I, took me a moment. <laughs> Uh, there, there was some good stuff about it, right? Like we love the characters. We've already talked about that. They added some new characters. I thought all the new characters were great. I thought they were fine. Wait a second. Just... Wait a second. How can Toy Story Four and Cars Three have the same subtitle? Uh, listen, I don't know. I, I wasn't at the meeting, but they did. They gave them both the same subtitle. The difference being that Toy wow. Cars Three uh, wrote. A great appropriate ending to that franchise. I agree. I agree. Um, Toy Story Four is going back to the thing after they had already written that perfect ending for Toy Story. So, uh, Toy Story Four is my least favorite. My second least favorite is Toy Story Two, which I tend to classify as what I call a frustration picture, where it's just about one obstacle after another. It's it's a whole road full of obstacles and it's just there's not a lot of downtime to breathe and be happy in that movie um but there are lots of really funny parts and of course we get jesse from that movie and i love jesse so much uh so uh toy stories 2 is still awesome uh the next one is toy story 3 which i think is probably the hardest choice I had to make because Toy Story 3 is absolutely beautiful. The ending is one of the greatest endings to a film. You know, it it happens right after this insanely intense climax. Mm -hmm. And then the heartfelt ending that it, that it lands on is just so poignant. I love the heck out of it, but I did have to rank 
the original Toy Story as my top, uh, just because I think that despite its age and its limitations animation-wise, it is one of Pixar's most perfect films. Like, it's probably top three as far as just perfect filmmaking for Pixar animation. Right on. I think in in the pantheon of films, I think it's ranked like number 20 of all time. Pantheon of Of all films. films? All films? Or as far as like best, like yeah. best. Yeah, I, I think yeah, I read I can, that somewhere. I can see that. I'll have to go back and fact check on that one, but because I yeah. don't know exactly what the criteria was, but in some mm-hmm. list somewhere, it's ranked like number twenty, <laughs> like of all time yeah. or something. I yeah, I I don't have many problems with that. Sounds pretty cool. Um, well, I actually have three spots because I had the hardest time. <laughs> <laughs> picking these because they're just it's they're so different so but there, so there's a tie somewhere there is <laughs> there is so of course i'm with gavin fourth uh fourth place third place third i should say toy story four we didn't have to go past three <laughs> and i was like um oh, like indy four no okay <laughs> um <laughs> so two be, okay so I'm going to say between two and one, it was like a hair, no pun intended, but it was just like little things, little things. But um, for number two, I actually have the original Toy Story and Toy Story 3. Interesting. Because it just it's just both are really good. I mean, you're, the introduction to everything, you know, of course in one but three hit so many emotions and Mm -hmm. you kind of felt like this was it this was the the perfect ending and um like i said my number one pick (laughs) i know i it's toy story 2 i love the stories that we get and of course jesse so we get jesse bullseye it feels like we added the family a sarah mclaughlin song yeah. it's got everything <laughs> it does <laughs> feels right. sending your donations now <laughs> but oh, yeah man. no those three just trying to rank those three was so hard because sure. they're so good so i'm like oh i so yeah that that's how i did it right awesome on. uh my list is very similar to gavin's actually Except at the top. Nice. Okay. So in fourth place, I have the money grab. I mean, Toy Story 4. (laughs) (laughs) We all agree. (laughs) Yeah, we're all in agreement on that one. And look, overall, on its own, if it turned out like Toy Story 4 was like a TV special and not like officially brand, like if it was more like a Toy Story of Terror or or something Mm -hmm. like that, Mm -hmm. I think I would have appreciated it more because they didn't jam that story in there like you were talking about. Um, mm-hmm. But because it, it wasn't bad. I think they gave a lot of context to where Bo Peep came from and everything. And I thought that was really important. Uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. overall, but yeah. visually, I love it. There's a lot about Toy mm-hmm. Story 4 sure. that I love. But yeah, uh, it is at the bottom of my list. Toy Story 2 is my number three. Um, mm-hmm. I-, I love Jesse. I love Bullseye. Uh, I love Stinky Pete because, <laughs> man, I love that dude. <laughs> but uh, uh, overall, I think of the four, uh, 
the story wasn't as strong as the two that I have at the top. Uh, mm-hmm. And then number two may surprise you. I put Toy Story one. That is surprising. Yeah. To me. So Toy Story one. I mean, not totally surprising because yeah, I was close to putting three at the top as well. Um. So I'll tell you why I ended up putting three at the top as my number one because I think. Okay. So right now, especially with everything that's been going on, I think I've been really feeling like the hit of growing up, right? There's a lot of things mm-hmm. about my childhood that are just, you know, changing drastically, including The Undertaker officially retiring at Survivor Series. Like, who would have ever seen that coming? Okay? All you wrestling wow. fans out there, wink, wink. I mean, what is what is he, 70 years old now? He's like 287, dude. Oh, Close that's enough. right. He's like half dead. Yes. Anyway. And right. now he's yeah. like yeah. officially <laughs> retiring. So they did a whole ceremony <laughs> for him at Survivor Series and everything. So probably Crazy. not what you tuned into this podcast to find out, but there you go. <laughs> There's some pop culture for you. Anyhow, as a parent, the idea of the progression of what happens with your children from childhood, how they interact with their toys, to growing up, moving out, and no longer needing those toys – the the wheel of emotions that hits with Toy Story 3 is something that every parent and every person that's growing up hits several times in their life. And Toy Story 1 was like a great buddy cop movie. Like it was a fantastic film. It had everything you could want as far as storytelling, feel good ending, but when it comes to a real life story, Toy Story 3 hits it on so many levels. That's why I put it at my top in my top spot. Yeah. Nice. It's a good pick, man. So. That's cool. We mm-hmm. all we all had different um, organizations of those just those four films. Yeah. And we each had a different number 1. I like that. That's appropriate. It tells you how universal that series is. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. That's awesome. So, if you want to share your rankings of the four Toy Story films, Join the conversation. Leave a comment on the blog post for this episode, podcuteers.com slash 336, or on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or on our new Discord server. If you want an invite, just head over to the blog post for this episode or podcuteers.com. Scroll down. You'll see the link to Discord, and you'll receive the invite to join there. Yeah, uh, I I love them. Maybe after you've seen the other ones, like once you've seen all the shorts again, we'll do a refresher, mm-hmm. and then yeah. you can re- we can rank all of those in a in an upcoming episode because you know we have all the previous ones and now we have Forky asked the questions. I don't know. <laughs> That's pretty good. So now we have those to go along with it, and we could probably even rank the Forky shorts. On, on their own. That's yeah. Because some are I mean, not so great. I guess. We've never ranked Mater's Tales, but whatever. But we can. <gasps> I'd be happy for that. I'd be okay, all cool. for we it. Can. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. Let's somebody write that down because I'm going to forget. Let's make that a segment <laughs> in an upcoming episode. We'll rate the okay. individual episodes of these different uh, uh, cartoon sets. I Maybe. like it. Okay. And the final thing that we wanted to talk about, obviously, we talked about it early on in the episode, and that was the news that Disney Imagineer Joe Rohde has decided to take off the earrings and hang it up (laughs) 
And look, this, he's probably not going to do that. He's probably yeah, going to no, add more uh-huh. earrings now that he's not going to be going into the office. But uh, yep. he is retiring <laughs> after a 40-plus year career with the Disney company. I mean, what a story tale, right? Just like Tony yeah. Baxter starting off as an ice cream scooper. Joe Rohde started off working at the World Showcase Pavilion in Epcot. Uh, he worked his way up in the company to become the ex- the executive designer and vice president of creative at Walt Disney Imagineering. When he first joined Imagineering, he was part of the development of Epcot. He was working as a model designer and like a scene painter for the Mexico Pavilion. Throughout his time there, like he's responsible for Animal Kingdom, the Norway Pavilion, Expedition Everest, Captain EO. Aulani. He worked on the Adventurers Club that they had at Pleasure Island, which I think is where Kungaloosh first came from. I'm not a big Epcot guy because I've never been there before, but anybody who has, please let me know if that's correct because I just need to know. Hopefully it doesn't push out another fact from my head. He's worked <laughs> on Pandora. The World of Avatar. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout. He's yeah. the lead on all the Marvel stuff that's happening in the parks. Uh, he was last yeah. working on Lighthouse Point, which was announced at the D23 Expo last year. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen with that one. That was the resort that was supposed to be a stop on the Disney Cruise Line in the Bahamas. And then, of course, you know him as Harrison Hightower Third. From Tokyo Disney Sea's version <laughs> of Tower of Terror. I mean, Joe Rody. I mean, that's some iconic stuff that he's worked on. Yeah. I mean, yeah. On, on my Mount Rushmore of Imagineering, his head is there. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. He, he is one of the guys. Like, he is a, a Disney, a living Disney legend in every sense of the word. And I have wanted to see animal kingdom since it opened i still haven't been i've been dying to see pandora since it opened i still haven't been uh to me that kind of um stands atop his mountain his literal mountain of disney creations and uh, i definitely have that on my bucket list one day to go experience uh but yeah the disney company will definitely miss his creativity and his undying energy and spirit for that activity which embodies imagineering like he is infectious i think i've told the story before on the podcast where uh when they announced the changeover of the tower of terror here at dca and they were making it guardians of the galaxy i was not excited about that idea i loved the tower of terror it was one of my absolute favorite attractions and then joe Rody did uh, they interviewed him and he talked about it and he gave his like elevator pitch basically for the tower and he sold me hardcore and I love that attraction. It's one of the greatest things they've ever done. And the fact that they just converted an old attraction and made it feel so completely new under his direction. Unbelievable. Like that's the kind of magic that really really excites park lovers like all three of us you know and he is like 
like he's just the latest legend in a in a line of legends and that's we're very grateful to what he's done for us and i'm excited to see who you know kind of becomes the next joe roadie we'll see yeah yeah oh totally the news is almost bittersweet though sure like for one fantastic it's fantastic to have that long of a career at disney you know mm-hmm. or just in general that's it's amazing to be at a company for that long and achieve just such great heights but at the same time you've done so much to me it's like it's your time to go explore the world of course when things are safe but like you know he's done so much it's like go enjoy life like yeah go be that that explorer that you've taught us to be that you've given us like those stories and i just i'm i'm actually i just wish him like the best adventure that he could have absolutely and yeah just um just get, uh, the only thing i've got to see i haven't seen pandora but seeing everything that's around animal kingdom is just it's beautiful doesn't doesn't top it. it it's just he put life like it, it's just a different life that when you're you're walking into this area it has that touch like he like you said he makes magic that's all it is that's all i could describe yeah <laughs> so um yeah i mean you know congrats to him and thank you for everything and we'll see what the future holds afterwards like who like you said who's gonna take who's gonna be the next person and we'll just go from there yeah he's such a great storyteller and it really comes through in the interviews and the appearances that he does you know it's funny because Mm -hmm. we before walt passed away walt was the face of the company right wonderful world of disney he was out there he was pushing the park he was pushing new attractions Mm -hmm. and then for a while there wasn't really anybody that stepped forward and and really became the face like there was people that did stuff like eisner did wonderful world of disney for a long time but it was Mm -hmm. i mean it wasn't like walt right and then right. there there was always these people that kind of stepped up to become what we would call like the face of the company. And then at one point, like Tony Baxter became the face of the company, right? Where he was out there and he was talking about all these things that were happening, all these new attractions. And then he retired. And then we saw Rhodey all of a sudden, like a lot. But the funny thing is that yeah. he's been around for a really long time preaching mm-hmm. what imagineering does because back in the 90s 90s like he yeah i want to say the 90s like he appeared in all sorts of disney channel specials you know so he's been talking about that stuff for a really long time i think that the differentiator as far as like who you tend to hear more from is what coast you're on and what park you frequent you know, because whatever's sure. localized to you is what you tend to pay attention to more at times. And until you really dive into, like, Disney fandom as a whole, then you begin to immerse yourself in all of the names that put these parks together, these attractions together. 
But if you're fairly centric to Florida, you're fairly centric to Disneyland proper, then you tend to hear the names of the people that worked on those the most, you know? But yeah, Mm -hmm. what a career. Absolutely. Here's what I'm thinking is going to happen. I think that, so right now, Florida is one of Disney's main money funnels, okay? Without Disney World Open, the Disney company would be struggling way more. That and Disney Plus. They, Mm -hmm. I mean, they launched Disney Plus at at the absolute right time, okay? Mm -hmm. So what I think is going to happen is I think Joe Rohde's going to get a window on Main Street at Magic Kingdom. Oh, he needs one at both. And I agree, but I think what will happen is if Disneyland hasn't opened, I think the way that they're going to try to get people to come back to the park is for an open person ceremony to give Joe Rohde his window. And so instead of limiting it, because the window celebrations here at Main Street in in Disneyland, they've been fairly closed to the public. Like, there's not a lot of seats available. The last one, when I went to Tony's, there was maybe 50 seats total. You know, so it was really small. It was just like Hmm. two sets of rows that went from one edge of the street to the other from the Emporium to the front of the Magic Shop. Right. So if it's that limited and and other ones, I don't know how limited they've been because I haven't ever attended other ones. But some of the ones that they held at the studio obviously were private, you know, Mm -hmm. and this one, one of the biggest parks that they have wide Main Street where they can pack a bunch of people socially distance them properly if they need to. What a great way to get people back in the park that feel safe to do so than by giving Joe mm-hmm. Rody a window, who absolutely yeah. deserves it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Definitely. And I'm sure he's going to be, well, I don't know if there's any sort of rules about when they can give you a Disney Legend Award. Oh, next yeah, D23. I would think, would be the sh- I would think yeah. so, yeah. I know yeah. that in some, like in sports, like you have to be retired for so long before they can induct you into the Hall of Fame. It's probably not like that with Disney Legend Award, nah. right? Nah, look, okay, as of yeah, right now, he should definitely go in. Look, yeah. he's just it, like as of right now, he's just uh, been inducted into the Podcateers Hall of Fame. And now he's <laughs> officially uh, a Podcateers legend. Awesome. That means nothing nice. to him. But there you go. You don't know. <laughs> Maybe he's the one that's been feeding Imagineering all of our great I ideas. I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, he's always on long international flights. Maybe he's binging our podcast. Oh, man, that would be so sweet. If that was the case, <laughs> that would be so sweet. Uh, oh, but awesome. yeah, I mean, I know that he's just been uh, a beacon of knowledge and inspiration for so many other Imagineers. I mean, we had Josh Shipley on not too long ago. He talked about how Joe Rody and Tony Baxter were two of his mentors, you know, mm-hmm. so... Mm-hmm. When you think of some of the things that he's done in the park and he went off to create an entirely new park and experience, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I mean, I look, Joe, if you want to come on the podcast and just have a conversation and talk about your career, I mean, we already inducted you into the Podcateers Hall of Fame here. You're already a Podcateers legend. Why not come on and just make it official and <laughs> we'll just have a chat and uh, it'll be yeah, a good time. Absolutely. I got to tell you, if he... 
writes an art history book, uh, which I think he should, uh, I will buy it the second uh, it comes out. Yeah. If, if anybody <laughs> follows him on Instagram, they know what I'm talking about. He will post a, a picture of some piece of art, whether it be a sculpture in the frieze of a temple or a painting or a tapestry. And he will tell you the history uh, with full context in just like two or three paragraphs. And the way he's able to succinctly tell you the essence of this thing is so, so good. He has so much artistic wisdom that I just, I, I eat it up. And mm-hmm. I, I would love to have a book of roadie wisdom, like 100%. That would be the greatest thing ever. We can call it roadieisms. <laughs> Rodeisms. Perfect. Or your roadie map to life. Oh, nice. Oh. <laughs> you know, he had a he was doing something on YouTube for a while during quarantine. Yeah. Where he was like I think the channel was called uh the roadie the the roadie less traveled. I think is what That's it was called. It, yeah. And uh yeah, it was it was fun. You know, to see mm-hmm. some of the stories and the pictures and stuff. They were really short bursts, but really informational. Yeah. So I agree. I Look, they should just give him a whole series on Disney+. Plus. There you go. Oh, he doesn't have to it. be an Imagineer, yeah. but he could do a Disney Plus series. And yeah. He could travel the world and I'd watch. Yeah. <laughs> yep. If there was ever a guy that should give a master class or a TED Talk, it's Joe Rohde. 100%. So there mm-hmm. you go. Well, uh, I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Yep. Sure. I, I think we're good. So, so much goodness. Let's, let's end on that good yeah. note. Yeah. Well, before we go, this episode is dropping uh, right before Thanksgiving. And obviously, with the Thanksgiving holiday, there's Black Friday sales and there's Cyber Monday sales. And I know that both of you have some stuff planned. So, Mel, why don't we start with you? What are you going to have? I know you've been shooting out some coupons. Tell everybody what's going on so they can check out Ye Old Shop. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so, yeah, I, t- I have a few coupons, um, basically lasting until the 30th. Um, and I have, like, $5 off 25 Brooches are 25% off, which is all of them. You could get 25 or over 35 or 15 if you just want to get something small. So nice. I'm trying to give like a different range, but there'll be more in December. Right so. on. It's good to know. Really great yeah. stocking stuffers. I've seen a lot of this stuff in person. We have some stuff ourselves. Really great stuff. <laughs> uh, check out the shop. Totally. Check out her Instagram. Gavin, tell everybody what you have going on. Yeah, I am just going a straight 20% off for all my stuff. Um Thanksgiving through Cyber Monday, so five-day sale, uh, 20% off all my prints. Um, I have had an Etsy shop for many years, as many of you already know, but I've recently also opened an in-print shop, which means my stuff is now available in multiple sizes and in multiple formats. So you can buy some of my prints on Canvas if you want. You can buy them on greeting cards and probably not until Christmas, but soon I'm going to be releasing some phone cases as well. Um, but go to either shop. You can find me Gavin Audison art 
on Etsy, everything will automatically be marked down. On InPrint, check my Instagram for your coupon code to apply it at checkout. Right on. All of the information for both Mel and Gavin's websites and their Instagrams will be in the blog post for this episode, podcasters.com slash 336. If you have any questions, just feel free to reach out to us. You can just shoot over a message and we'll be happy to help you out, lead you in the right direction. And that's it. That's going to wrap it up. Happy Thanksgiving. I hope that wherever you are, you are safe this week. You are keeping your distance. You are keeping yourself and others as safe as possible. And whoever you have in your family that you haven't been able to see, make sure that you just give them a call, shoot over a text message, let them know that you love them because we just never know, you know, with life and you never know how things are going to turn out from one day to the next. So if you love somebody and you appreciate them, make sure that you let them know. So on that note, keep dreaming, keep moving forward, and always remember to pass on the magic. Have a fantastic week, everyone. Bye. To infinity and beyond.